This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Hello and welcome to the Emerging Tech series of the Leadership and Insurance podcast. Today, I am very lucky to be joined by Mike, who is the VP of Engineering for Overalls. Welcome, Mike. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we've not met in person, but um, you know we've been going back and forth for, for a few months, and you guys, I know, have been super busy, you know, heads down building and and yeah, you've been attending a few events and stuff, but um, so it's great to to finally have this one in and and the first one of the of the new year. So yeah, hopefully we can start off great. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, before we, before we get into everything, um, Mike, uh, always a nice place to start. Uh, if you could kind of run us through your your background, I think I think going back just over your career is always nice. How you got into tech as a whole, and um, and your journey into insure tech. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I didn't start out uh, thinking I would wind up in technology. Uh, I came out of grad school where I got my master's of library science and uh, happened to kind of uh, fall into a programming job. I'd always been sort of doing that in the background. Um, and it kind of sparked a real interest for it out of the gate. Um, and I'd hopped around from consultancies, kind of like a, what a lot of early stage software engineers do. Um, and then one day, just through Kismet or, or luck, I applied for a job with a company, Life.io, uh, which was uh, uh, headed up by my partner at Overalls, uh, John Cooper, our CEO, um, and kind of fell in love with product work from that point on. Um, Life.io itself didn't start out as a insure tech company, but we, uh, through, uh, through providence of like an early stage startup, one of our first big clients was a big insurer. And we just went right into that afterward because uh, it made too much sense. Um, and so that was kind of my first exposure to it there. Um, yeah, in, in general, it started started as a love of software and grew into uh, now sort of found a, a niche in uh, insurance technology, I guess. Nice. Nice. Because the, um, yeah, the, the journey at Life.io, which was a successful one, so that wasn't uh, positioned out and outright as a as an insurance play, but organically kind of navigated into that. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, for the listeners, you know, overalls the current business you're you're uh, you're working as for the, as a VP of engineering. You know, uh, it'd probably be great if you could give us a, a an outline of the the mission, the vision, um, and what you know the whole purpose of the the, the business is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh... Overalls is we offer a what's called a what we're calling a life concierge service. It is uh, that list of to do items that you never quite have a chance to get to or is always in the background and kind of tedious. We offer you to kind of check in with people that, that work with us uh, and say what you need to get accomplished. 
and hopefully we set, at the very least set you up to accomplish it, if not outright schedule it for you, do it for you. We've seen everything from uh, need help planning a great anniversary for my husband and I. Uh, I just used it recently because I've been putting off cleaning my own gutters for forever and they got me all set up with that. Um, to, I think, you know, some, some overuse of the system, but we didn't, we didn't mind it. Uh, I think we wound up planning somebody's entire wedding for them, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, you know, and, and at various steps along the way, uh, to latch back into the insurance side of things, um, the majority, uh, of our, not majority, but a large portion of our questions are doing things just like, uh, navigating personal benefits, uh, pet insurance, life insurance claims, health insurance claims. All of like any any of the varying insurances people offer either through employees or just picked up independently. Mm. So again, kind of similar to Life.io, you know, built this life concierge, built this platform. And um appreciate it's not the majority, but as you say, a large proportion of it again has navigated into uh, being somewhat of an insure tech then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then this is also tying into a you know, hopefully where we're going in the future of, of being able to offer uh, more insurance tie-ins or, or products that might have helped a person in their journey or anything like that with those questions. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, like in, insurance carriers that provide health and dental and life and other benefits, you know, they have a, a lot to consider nowadays. Mm. And, you know, platforms like yourself could, could just be a great plug-in and a great way yeah. of, of so many options for people nowadays it's like and is that what your life the life concierge does it effectively is a almost like, like a kind of SaaS platform but also like a bit of a marketplace to a degree uh yes uh that is the less built out section of it we've been focused on the life concierge but there i think a time will go to have more of that those options for people to to get into that funnel um Working with a lot of uh, another direction we're taking with it is working with a lot of uh, larger companies that have their own set of benefits offered. A lot of employees don't know what benefits they have available to them um, or just because it's a hard world to navigate. Uh, and so we can we're also going in a direction of being able to help flush that out more for that for those users as questions arise or even just educationally. Hmm. Yeah, super interesting. I mean, it seems like it's got the arm, the the ability to to really grow arms and legs. You know, there's there's mm -hmm. yeah, really no kind of telling um, where it can go. But um, you know, one thing that I'd kind of obviously commented on earlier with Life.io, and I didn't actually know it wasn't an, an intentional uh, insurance play because the name as well kind of you know seems like it could, should be an insurance play, you know, Life.io, <laughs> but. You yeah. know, you, you ultimately, inadvertently, you've successfully, you know, built along with John Cooper um, and ensured to exited, um, you know, way back in 2013, I think I said to you and, and John in our, our, our initial call, you know, you've been insured site before it was, um, before it was cool. So, you know, the <laughs> most kind of, is there, has there been any, again, I guess two questions twofold, you know, what is, what, what has surprised you the most about innovating? in the insurance space back then and now that you've ended up back in to some degree working heavily with insurance carriers and insurance and in the insurance space mm -hmm. any prominent changes since innovating back then to to now 10 years on yeah that's a that's a really interesting and uh uh i have a lot of anecdotes into that world but um <laughs> 
so not to name names, I, I, I came from, like I said earlier, a consultancy background when I, when I went into Life.io. Uh, so there, uh, consultancy was a little different than, I mean, yes, you want to do things fast, but it gives you a chance to sort of uh, always kind of push on what's new, what's interesting, the new hotness, if you will. Um, and it was a rude awakening jumping to InsureTech in 2013 because there was zero interest in that whatsoever. Um, I, I went about building like commit, commit number one for that application and was using a cloud deployment tool and all that. And we were sitting in a meeting uh, for a, a, a client and they, um, because the guy kept asking, was like, well, your, physicals are, your physical servers are someplace. I'm like, well, it's, it's cloud hosted. And it was just like, not even the awareness of what that meant that we didn't maintain a server cabinet somewhere and all of this. Um, and so it, it was a lot of like handholding and instruction, even with the partners we were working with. Uh, this go around, you know, I stepped away, see 13, so six, seven years, probably roughly. Um, there's been more adoption uh, of new technology, new interests. It's, it's almost like that, uh, uh, that, that learn, grow and adapt or die philosophy has started to see its way, not just from early startups, but into larger companies. Um, and so points of integration have become easier, just shared vocabulary, which has been worth its weight in gold in, in order to, to just communicate with people about, you know, what we're building, what our intention is to do, how we can help you. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's not, uh, if, you, if you're making dinner, it's the difference between giving somebody a list of ingredients and expecting to see them versus having to explain what each individual ingredient is and then what you're going to do afterward. Uh, so we're at the stage where it feels like we're able to cook at this point to mix metaphors. <laughs> it's funny that you say with regards to the cloud and he's expecting you to have on on-prem services and physical assets to store that data. And, you know, I had someone on the podcast um, and they shared a funny anecdote about uh, uh, some large insurance carrier and mm -hmm. uh, they had they had the cleaner in. So the cleaner was in mopping, hoovering, and he he, he ended up cutting the power accidentally because he was mop, mop, mopping the floor, <clears throat> and 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 because of that, that was the data center. Mm -hmm. Because everything was on prem, it was you know this companies they can't name the name, but they're multi billion, and they could not sell insurance for three days because that happens. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and it's funny you say that because a part of the reason they were asking those on-prem questions was there's a huge chunk of that questionnaire that was just about physical security of your location <laughs> I, was like, I was like man uh, you know at, at the end of the day i think this winds up in aws so it's in northern virginia somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah funny well i mean um yeah, I, I think for me, I, what I don't want to ask next is um, is because I do kind of hate, oh, I don't hate it, but sometimes, you know, like in, in banking or uh, and insurance as well, you know, insurance is broken or financial services is broken. So I'll probably change my question, you know, overall, as I kind of touched on, you know, carriers, they have a lot to consider. The benefit space in America is going through a seismic shift, you know, mm -hmm. there's a there's complications on the benefits side. There's complications on, you know, insurers are struggling with underlying uh, growth and inflation, you know, across a number of lines of business. But so I wouldn't not to say that what's broken, but what what do you think in terms of offering of employee benefits uh, in the US for you, like given that you've now built this platform and you must be seeing a lot of trends and, and, and gaps, like 
where do you feel the service offering has to improve and, and, and why do you think it is still quite in a desperate position at the moment? So to, to phrase that, if that's, if, that, if that's a fair question. I, I, I think it is. I, I hope I, I'm going to answer correctly. I, I'll kind of speak a little bit through the lens of our own experience at overalls because um, I think when we started out, we were intending to be more of a uh, an insurance uh, employee benefits insurance information place, and also an insurance marketplace. Like, um, here here's an explanation of your benefits uh, given your life situation. Here are some other products that would could be useful to you. Um, and the life concierge concept was almost uh, a fringe benefit of our offering, uh, and we found almost immediately with that first wave of users that navigating the information we were trying to, to gain and present was itself the harder task. And people were asking questions to figure that out, um, be it about how their benefits were structured or, or what would what would, what would benefit them. Um, and, and I think that does speak to where we are in the States, at least, about a level of complexity of, of being able to get the coverage you need, understand why you need it. Um, it's just a, a to, to you know to 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 flip it on its head. It's a user unfriendly experience at this point. Um, even getting to uh, you know we have an uh, an FSA and my kids are in daycare, so it made yeah. sense to be able to pay for that tax free. But to do it to understand how to enroll, to understand how to get reimbursed, uh, I didn't. I don't say I needed a master's degree for it, but it helped. Like it was a, a hard experience, um, and so I, I think at its core. I don't know the business side of it well. I'm technologist by trade and by preference. Uh, but speaking through the experience side of it, it's it's a, a lot of uh, iffy tools, a lot of poorly arranged websites, a, a lot of hidden trapdoors. And, and if we can do anything to shine light on it, I think that is the the rearrangement that regains some user trust and uh, willingness to use, frankly. Yeah, I mean, even as I've been looking at the business for the past few months leading up to the podcast, and, and, and you know, and going touching on what you're saying there, is it? Do you think it's also a lack of uh, creativity from from those entering the market? Because you can you can you can put a glossy application on top, you can create a, a, a you know a better website or whatever it may be over pre existing benefits options, but when I look mm -hmm. at what, what overalls are doing, like as you said at the beginning, of the call, I think we, you know, somehow we ended up, you know, arranging someone's wedding. But that's the, but that's the kind of stuff that, you know, it's thinking outside of the box. Like it's, it's yes, technically is it a benefit? No, but it ties into the, the overall platform, mm -hmm. and it's like, so there's really no end to what the life concierge can sort. But really inherently built within it, it is a benefits and in, an in insurance platform. But you're just doing more with it so again that kind of lack of creativity maybe in being too rigid in what we can offer maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a bit of a catalyst in there as to why maybe there's a lack of innovation that's an interesting point i, ha I hadn't thought of it like that but I, I think you're um i think that's spot on um there is you know I make the joke earlier about 2013 i was being asked where my cloud servers were like there is a lack of willingness i think to move out of the the lane you've locked into, uh, especially yeah. as you become a bigger and bigger company, and and it's it's 
uh, somebody, I can't remember who said this now, but it's always stuck with me. It's like uh, companies and tech companies specifically can grow till they reach a, a, a size that not just that, that, that they're not just managing technical debt, but they're managing organizational debt all of the time. And it's, you know, I, I've been in this spot for so long and, and this is how we do it. This is how I think about it. And once you're spending more of that time managing that debt, Uh, it allows someone to come up behind you because they're not managing debt. They're just moving as fast as they can to try to get to, I mean, hopefully not where you are, but at least to where you are in terms of business and respectability or innovate. Mm. Even. So. Mm. Yeah, interesting. The and the other thing that kind of jumped out at me was what was behind the technology because the the element of personalization to it, mm. and, and, and again, there's really no end to what it can sort. Uh, you know, because I think that's probably another thing what separates you guys in this space from what I can see. You know, is that you're there's no end to the creativity and what this life concierge can do, but also, um, what do people want now in life? You know, why are people loving AI so much? Why are people loving things like API so much in the last few years? Because it's all driven towards your personal behavior. It's all driven towards you. So. You know, again, going back to your platform, it's, I was just really interested in what the technology was b b behind it, behind the life concierge, you know, is it AI or is it, you know, what, what's the kind of, at the heart of it? Oh, well, at the heart of it right now, uh, I say right now, uh, and hopefully for forever, is people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is there is some flavors of, of data collection where we make sure the request is routed to an appropriate person. Some life concierges have a better background in insurance or in pet care or whatever. Um, so there is some making sure that that's getting directed to the appropriate place, but it is a person that is navigating and helping with you. And we'll do things to improve the information that our specialist, our life concierge gets in advance Uh, especially if it's things that we've had to help with before, especially uh, in certain regions, we get mo most of our requests headquartered in the Northeast. A lot of our requests are coming from Northeast companies, Northeast users. Um, and so you're developing like a, a framework of, of known service providers or, or known things that in other insurance policies that have been answered before. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds a little simplistic, but uh It's hard at this stage to replicate uh, the the friendliness someone feels with a human experience on the other side. Um, mm. And we can and we can improve that more with things like AI uh, to have both sides of the equation be better prepared um, and more informative. But hey, people like talking to people too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the there was some study from uh, one of the big three, um, McKinsey and Co. I, I can't quite remember. But mm. uh, and and it was you know studies have shown that like seventy percent on you know hundreds of thousands of people would still still even though how good the bots and the AI is they would still absolutely rather deal with um, a human being and mm -hmm. when 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 <laughs> you know excuse the French when shit hits the fan and when things get really tough and you know for maybe like onboarding for for signing up to things yeah sure bots AI but. Yeah, it was it was interesting that even in this age of where we're going with it, that people still really want that human connection, most of the the journey, you know, and, and yeah. insurance. So, yeah, it it borrows a little bit 
from from my background again uh in in graduate school uh as an aspiring librarian uh i did we did a whole thing on human information seeking behavior and and it is just that like we experience the stress of a need and oftentimes a bot or even written instructions and documentation can induce more stress or inspire other needs whereas the conversation with a person it's like you're able to get immediate feedback back and forth on that that Mm. Uh, even to hear someone else say, I don't know, that is confusing, is at least reassuring to us. Um, and so it feels, I, I don't know if that will ever pivot. Uh, I felt like the same time I was getting that degree, I was being told the librarians would go away and we'd never use paper books again. They seem to be doing all right still. So, you know, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I've, I've never uh, got personally get into the Kindle or anything. I always mm. buy physical books. I, I love going to a library. You know, like yeah. actually, just I'll spend like an hour or two just so yeah. The um, the thing that was uh, can't remember what I was going to say there, but um, the thing I was wondering as well in terms of like challenges with the uh, with where with the journey you guys have been on, like you and John. I mean, is it is it just you and John? How big is the is the company at the moment? Oh no, uh, definitely not. Uh, John CEO. Uh, we have a wonderful CEO, Allison. Wonderful chief product officer, Emily. Another That's engineer right, yeah. working with me. Um, I mean, it, it is still a, a smaller smaller team as uh, um, uh, you do at the stage. We are, I think our biggest uh, uh, department. I'm not sure what the right word is. Is the life concierge team? Uh, you know, to handle the requests as we come in, and that that seems to grow with uh, with every new opportunity. So. Hmm. And what what's been the most challenging thing for you as a whole so far? Has it been, has it been the high levels of regulation? Uh, like, is it is it been innovating constantly, having to evolve the product? Like, what's been the most kind of challenging thing so far? You know, I know it's only been a couple of years, but um, after that, but yeah, just kind of keen to get a bit of an insight there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, tongue in cheek, the uh, the most challenging thing is uh, facilitating and succeeding at rapid growth like um that that's always like it's always a conversation of scalability there um but uh, you know right now we're sort of at this point where we've we found this product market fit and we're really happy with the direction and we're really thrilled honestly with the direction everything is going in that um but it is uh maintaining what what has made it a success uh that exchange between the user and the life concierge and, and being providing satisfactory, if not ex exceptional answers, uh, while continuing to add more, both in terms of services offered and uh, internally uh, uh, enhanced efficiency improvements. Um, mm -hmm. How can we uh, uh, better get the concierge uh, information about the request they're getting from the user? Uh, what are the questions, you know, a question of what questions do we ask? A question of that insertion point for AI, like how are we able to uh, more stream, better streamline those answers they're giving through that use? Like if it's a chat GPT service or what have you. Um, and and also uh, uh, continuing, uh, because it's so human centric, uh, our, our people on one end, their people on the other end, um, what is the most intuitive way for them to use this? Uh, because people do sometimes still prefer to just send an email to in or, or send a text message in and, and how do we facilitate that exchange? So there's a barrier, uh, uh, reducing the barriers to um, uh, to use. Um, 
you know, I mean, regulatorily, as you're speaking, uh, insurers, especially like security is always a huge issue. And that's kind of been our biggest thing. Like, it's very difficult for a smaller company to go through things like SOC 2 compliance. Uh, it just requires a lot of very heavy handed procedure. Um, but in terms of like being directly subject to those, that's something we've been able to avoid th to this point. Not SOC 2, but insurance mm -hmm. regulatory practices. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say how embedded, how hard are the regulations for you guys? Because it seems like you're maybe just far enough away to avoid the steep, heavy regulation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting how people-centric it is. I wasn't quite um, aware of, of that element. I mean, is it, and it's, it's just the US it's, it's available in? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe I should start using it. You know, the amount of, <laughs> amount of, the amount of bots that I speak to and they can't understand my Scottish accent, so it'd be nice to speak to a human being. <laughs> I think at an individual, I mean, there's nothing to stop an individual user from, from signing up. Um, I don't know if the responses would be as, as tailored to you in the UK. <laughs> and, uh, and you kind of touched on a few... Uh, a few buzzwords of 2023 20, you get that right mm -hmm. um you know what what generally is it is it you know as, as a technologist you know you're uh, you know very um obviously very abreast of a lot of things and and, and again it doesn't have to be within um, the space that we're operating in but i'm always kind of interested to get a feel from what generally is exciting you in terms of you know last year as i say it was ai and look it will continue to be AI this year, there's yeah. no doubt. You know the rap, the 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 rate that it's evolving. But you know, is there any other things that maybe you or maybe that other most people aren't seeing that you're quite excited about in terms of technologies or in terms of innovation in your space? Yeah, there's a few things out there. I mean, there are the things that I, I wish I had the ability to do more with, uh, and they're I think outside of uh, outside of my skill set, outside of my area of expertise. But I am. Uh, always impressed by the advances made in uh, both uh, green technologies, uh, renewable, as we consume more data for more, or consume more energy for more computing po uh, power for more data and the like, um, making that sustainable is going to be huge. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated by those advancements. Uh, same goes for uh, kind of where we're going to head with quantum computing, but I, I don't see a world where those are necessarily immediately accessible to, you know, feet on the ground at this point. Um, I do think, I mean, this is very risky business hypothesizing every, anything for the future of technology, but um, I, I am, I, I think there's going to be a use for like uh, uh, edge technology concepts. So, and I, and I think we're already seeing some of that uh, because, because data pipelines have become so important so instead of just sending gobs and gobs and gobs of raw data to the cloud and hoping for all that processing to occur, mm. how much upfront processing can we do from the source, uh, be it from handheld devices or, I don't know, I, I just had to buy a new washer and dryer and I'm shocked to learn they're Wi-Fi enabled. I don't know what that's going to do for me, <laughs> but it is, it is kind of like... Uh, I think we're going to start seeing attempts to limit limits the wrong word, but but refine the data before it gets to where we need to do the heavy duty work to it, um, because I don't know if we're there yet, but I think we're hitting this upper boundary of what we're of the amount of latency we're comfortable with, like sending stuff back and forth all of the time. So so how much can we do so it's as much of a ready state when it gets to whoever cloud services is performing manipulations on it and back. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so I, I think we'll start to see, I hope we'll start to see improvements in that, in that arena. Um, again, predicting the future is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's <laughs> worth, worth the paper it's printed on, assuming it's cheap paper. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and what, what would, I just I kind of jumping on that, like, what would be the benefit of of that? What would be the benefit of that? If that was a, you know, if if we went that way more, producing up front, like, what what would be the ultimate benefit for it? Just would it make your life easier, or is it what better for the? I don't know. Like, what's just try. Yeah. Um, the kind of. What sparked my interest in it, let me phrase it that way, is uh, kind of what NASA was doing with uh, some deep space uh, telescopes. Um, they're doing a lot of processing the image uh, there at the satellite because they have such a long way to, it's an expensive process to send them back, both in terms of energy, in terms of computing power. Um, and so what could our improvements be? What could our applications be uh, in a more... <laughs> in a uh, more conductive to business atmosphere than across deep space. Um, my my hope would be reducing the amount of, uh, reducing the amount of energy needed in cloud computing to while still improving its output. So you're kind of looking to make, uh, you're kind of looking to just improve. Let me back that off a little bit. I keep saying the word improve you're kind of looking to increase efficiency of saying like, I'm getting more signal from the device for what I need. And with more signal, I can produce more meaningful information uh, as you kind of right. go through that, like uh, as you kind of go through the like data to information to knowledge funnel. So maybe just maybe we're able to create more meaningful services that, that convert meaningful data into better information net improving the knowledge of to inform the tools we're making and using yeah got it but it but it is very abstract and philosophical at this point maybe, maybe that's why it's interesting to me yeah i, I love a I love a hypothesis i mean i mean it's obviously it's it's realistic to happen but as you say it's uh predicting the future of technology is always um <laughs> it's yeah not, well, not, not always safe hope, hopefully we'll get to a point i mean with uh generative ai models for example like i mean those are trained on these huge data sets across the internet uh if they were able to receive more meaningful more targeted information for specialization from handheld devices other things that are you know, maybe i'll justify the use of wi-fi for my new laundry machines uh, if they're sending meaningful information to a specific AI model that can respond to feedback based on what they're sending, I mean, maybe it's improved. Maybe it's a better experience to me later on where I have uh, an AI bot that's like, hey, your water line's clogged again or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, uh, a, wi a Wi-Fi for your, your laundromat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we digress, but... Um... I hope you don't mind. Off off camera, we were talking about you know how I would um, introduce in terms of um, the CTO or VP of engineering, and, and as as we rightfully done introduce you as the VP of of engineering. Like that job is is for me has always been one. I mean, as a as an executive search um, consultant, I that's probably where I I play the most in terms of finding people for startups. 
And um, I find it a fascinating role because it's 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 one that has many facets to it. You know, you're you're managing up to well, could could be managing up to the CTO, but effectively it's CEO. Um, you're managing across, and um, you're managing down into the engineering team. So horizontally, vertically, there's that element of you're zoomed out, but you're also very much zoomed in to the engineering team. Like, mm-hmm. how's why why do you kind of favour the VP of engineering? more so than the CTO position? If that Again, if that's a fair question. Yeah, no, it's a very fair question. Um, uh, when I, uh, so when I came to overalls, uh, it was actually John that reached out and said, you know, we're getting this thing off the ground. We really enjoyed working with you. It was a great experience working with you at Life.io. Would, would you like to come on board? And uh, yeah, I was pretty excited to. I kind of love this stage of a company. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of my caveats is I didn't necessarily want to be in that that C C level role, um, and and there's a there's a lot of personal reasons behind that, but the biggest one I took away from Life.io was uh, I like being more hands on. I like being more involved in the day to day of of writing software of uh, over uh, not overseeing necessarily, but just like having an ability to contribute and participate with the people that are also doing a lot of the heavier heavier work. Um, and you lose that very quickly as a company grows in a CTO role. At least that has been my experience. Everybody's mileage may vary. Yeah. Um, and so, and so I kind of became, you know, if you look at my career trajectory after I, after leaving Life.io, I did just bounce around as a senior engineer for a while because I really wanted yeah. to get back to that. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's what I'm happiest doing. It's what I'm most fulfilled. And it, it's easier for me, I think, to lead at least you know vertically uh when i'm able to experience the same pain points that the people i'm managing are um you know uh, one of the things i firmly believe in is as is, is work-life balance um we were joking off camera about the, the rigors of having children um and i work from home and if if my kids are home and i am not done working i'm i'm done working um and <laughs> so you can't add more hours to the day and I can't expect people to work more than what I'm willing to, to dive into. Uh, but yeah. what you can do is try to find ways to reduce drag. Uh, the things that are sucking up people's time and keeping them from, from doing the things they probably want to do. Um, and it's really hard to identify those when you're just hearing about them. But if you're experiencing them and you're doing that, uh, uh, it's, it's easier to kind of say like, well, this is where we obviously need to improve our capabilities. Um, and so I think I lost sight of that at Life.io. That was kind of like my CTO journey then. And, and now I'm trying to be uh, second go around more protective of that than ever. Um, mm. Not to say I'm shirking business responsibilities or all that, but I, I also uh, I, I also like uh, the way we're arranged is uh, my boss isn't necessarily the CEO. It's uh, Emily, the Emily Johnson, our C- chief product officer. And I think that's kind of led to a good relationship uh, between product and technology. I know that's, yeah. One that can be fraught, um, but uh, this way it's kind of ensures like a more of a collaborative responsibility for us. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I was talking about it with a, a, a call. For, it was a it's product director role, and we're talking about the structure of the company and how the a CPO left, and then um, now and and came and coming to that business as a CTPO, and and you know I think that's always something that we're seeing. 
happening more and more now. And, it, and I think it's a great thing, actually, because it brings product engineering and tech under the one roof as opposed mm -hmm. to what can be sometimes, you know, data over here, engineering here, product over there. Uh, you guys aren't doing it, you know, and it's and it becomes quite fraught. But um, yeah. but obviously that relationship and, 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 you know, the VP is, as you kind of said, not shirking business responsibilities, but it's that wasn't why I asked the question. It's more because it, it was just to... Because people that listen to this are, yes, insurance executives and, you know, insurance-led people. But with the tech series, we've got this new audience coming in and some are engineers. And, and I think it's it's sometimes important to know that you don't always have to keep moving up and, and, and to be the CTO. Mm -hmm. You know, you can stay in your lane and it doesn't mean some people want to be close to the code. Some people want to experience the pain points. Some don't. Some want to stop coding as quickly as possible and, <laughs> and, 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 and cut costs and you know, and be more strategic, et cetera. But um, I just thought it was interesting that you said that because, as I say, I wasn't I wasn't sure based on, I know everyone doesn't update their LinkedIn profiles. But, um, <laughs> but John, uh, Mike, that kind of brings us to the uh, to, to the end of it, I guess, as a finishing note. I, um, you know, what does the future hold for, for you guys in 2024? What's on the, what's on the agenda? Oh, I... I can go uh, a tough question to end on. Uh, I, I know I know my priorities, what I'd love to achieve uh, yeah. as just the technology side, but I, but I'll say largely just for the company itself is is uh, continued growth, uh, continue to provide the best service we can to our users. Um, hopefully, getting just more and more interesting and fascinating requests from people. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to see the the build out of individuals coming on to to just help with their day to day, but also the the build out of uh, people navigating their complex uh, benefits and insurance benefit circumstances. Um, mm. So, so I, I yep. think our our goal, uh, what's on the agenda, is growth. You know, knock on wood. That's the word of the year for overall mm -hmm. growth. Well, uh, well, good luck with it. Um, it's been a blast having you on. Thank you for the time. I know you're super busy over there, but um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me, Gavin. I really appreciate it.